the light has power to transform. John tells us that in Jesus Christ, man will finally be everything that God intended for him to be. God created man in a perfect environment with a pure heart, with perfect provision for every need that he could ever possibly have. But man had but one restriction, and man chose to break that restriction, to go his own way, to do his own thing, and so marred the image of God within him and lost that perfect likeness and image of God. But John tells us, that in Jesus we reclaim what we lost because of sin and will finally be conformed to the image of the Son. And since the Son is the express image of the Father, we will ultimately be conformed to the image of the Father and will fulfill what God said to himself in the councils of his preexistence, let us make man in our own image. The light has power to transform. There is only one Son of the Father. The Greek word when John tells us of the only begotten is monogenes, and it means the unique one, the only begotten, the one like which there is no other, but by His shed blood at the cross and by His grace there are many children of God. And as he discusses the power of the light to transform, in this passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 3, John tells us that every individual who lives is of one of two families with one of two fathers. One family is characterized by the practice of righteousness. The other family is not characterized by the family of righteousness. All belong to one of two fathers, either God the Father or the devil. Let us examine this morning from 1 John chapter 3, the transforming power of the light. It's really a very simple passage, and I have drawn two truths from it. In verses 1 to 3, here are the facts of faith. The facts of faith. John tells us what happens when we have faith in God. Now in the King James Version, it starts out, Behold how great a love the Father has given to us, bestowed upon us. The word behold, translated see in the New American Standard, literally means just take a look at that. It is an exclamation. John says, take a look at what God has done for us. He has given us His love as a gift. And only here in the New Testament does the Bible speak of His love as our gift. It is freely given to us. Salvation is spoken of as a gift. Life as a gift. But here, love, His presence, His love is described as our gift. John demands that we remember our privileges. Not only is His love our gift, but we are called God's children, His little born ones. Now, as I said, the word that describes Jesus is a term of uniqueness, like which there is no other. He is one in a category all by Himself, 
But John affirms, as he has told us in this letter, as he told us in his gospel, that we are the children, the ones born into the family of God. Sometimes the New Testament talks about us as adopted. Sometimes it talks about us as born, and both are very beautiful. For if we have been born into his family, we can never leave his family, for no one has yet discovered a way to be unborn. By the same token, the adopted child in the ancient world could never be disinherited. And that too is a very beautiful thing as John affirms, though some do not believe it, that when we have been born into or adopted into the family of God, we can never then be disinherited. Our privileges, we are called the sons of God, His His children, his little born ones, his gift to us is his love. And John says that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When he appears, that is, when he appears to us, when the trumpet of God sounds and he descends and we ascend and meet him in the air to be with him in the air, we shall be transformed into his likeness, and we shall see him finally as he is. He will come again. And if you will fix your heart's eye on that, you will love sinning less and will love God more. John Bunyan, who gave us the Pilgrim's Progress, wrote a little verse in the flyleaf of his Bible that has come down to us and been oft repeated in these last 300 years when he penned in the front page of his Bible, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. John says we know that when he appears we shall be like him. We know for sure it is an intuitive certainty that we can never doubt because of him and his promise. You see, today's sonship, today's childhood to God the Father guarantees that one day we shall be made again into His image and into His likeness. And whatever it is we shall be, and we do not understand it yet, He says, whatever it is that we shall be, it will be like Jesus. It will be like Him. Finally, we will see him, John says. We will perceive him. We will comprehend him. We will grasp him as he really is. And in that day, we shall touch the qualities that we cannot understand today, those qualities that set him apart as God the Father, as God the Son, as God the Holy Spirit. We shall see him as he is. Glory. You know, what John is driving at, I believe, is that the man who sees that his end is the likeness of Jesus will make all of life a preparation for that end. You know, John over and again tells us that the test is obedience. And it is one thing to say, I love God, and then to pursue a lifestyle devoted to our own ideas 
about God or the way things ought to be. And it is quite another to say, I love God, and then to order our lives according to His Word and move in His direction and be like Jesus. The man who sees that at the end of his life, at the coming of the Lord, he will be like Christ, will begin now because he has been transformed on the inside to be like Him in every way that he can through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. The test is obedience, but what is the standard? You know, we're very confused at that. Like the individual I heard say several years ago, we all want to serve God, but we all have our own ideas about what that means. Well, as hard as it may seem to believe, God too has ideas about what it is to serve him. What is the standard? Verse 3 says, The one who has this hope purifies himself as he, that is, as Jesus is pure. The standard of purity is Jesus. And how then is it that at times we can go to war with one another and blame it on Jesus. As George Harris says, the Christian army is the only one in the world that shoots its casualties. The standard is Jesus. We have so little fear to condemn one another and yet we read in the book of Jude that Michael the archangel of God who goes and comes from the presence of the Almighty as he is commanded would not even bring a railing accusation against Satan himself. And yet it is all right for us, even though it is not all right for the archangels of God. The standard of purity is Jesus. The one who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. Sometimes in this life we look at ourselves and we look at one another and we get very discouraged and we don't see how it could ever be any different and we don't see how it will ever work out and we don't think there's any hope for us because the devil comes to us and he accuses us and he says, see what you are, see what you've done, but... Jesus looks at us as we shall be transformed by the power of His blood, made over into the image of His likeness when He comes again. One day all will see Him. Some will see Him as judge, but we will see Him as our Lord, our Savior our elder brother, our joint heir to the treasures of God. These are the facts of faith. God showed his power when he made us his creatures, but he showed us his love when he made us his children. Here are the facts of faith. And then in verses 4 through 9, here are the facts of fatherhood. Now, it is pleasant to read the writings of John. 
because John in every place that we find him is always very full of tenderness and love and affection. But if you will read John even casually, you will discover that he is every bit as straight on sin and discipline and doing what God says as James is in his epistle, as Paul is in all of his letters. John does not mince words. He, not, he does not debate. He just gives us facts. The whole three letters of John are about the shining of the light, and light is very unbiased. All light does is reveal what is there, and that's all John does is let the light shine and reveal what it reveals. It reveals the facts. And so in these verses, he gives us plain and simple the facts of fatherhood. Now, fatherhood describes an intimate, continuous, loving relationship to the one who gave us birth. A continuing, intimate, loving relationship. John tells us in these verses what sin is. He says sin is lawlessness. He tells us what sin does. Sin destroys the things that God came to do. He tells us why sin is. It is because of a lack of abiding in Christ. He tells us where sin comes from. It comes from Satan, for it began when Satan raised his hand against God. It tells us how sin is conquered. It is conquered by a new birth, by being born over again into the family of God. Now, lawlessness, as he describes sin, does not mean breaking the law. Lawlessness means an absence of law. Lawlessness means that I will go my own way without relationship to the law, that I consider myself a law unto myself. Lawlessness means self-will, going the way that I desire, the way that I please, the way that I think best. And he says sin is lawlessness, and lawlessness is sin. Then he makes a very startling statement that at first we want to draw back from it because we all know and every Christian knows that he is not perfect and will never attain perfection until Jesus comes. We want to draw back from it. He says the one who abides in him does not sin. Now think about that though. Can you sin while you are fully and completely abiding in the presence of Jesus. No. When you sin, it follows a breaking of that intimate relationship of abiding that you have with Him. Sin follows a failure to abide in Him. John has acknowledged in this book several times that Christians will sin. Thus, he cannot and is not saying that Christians do not sin. He said in verse 9 of chapter 1, talking to Christians, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
He said in chapter 1, if we say that we have no sin, we lie and we do not the truth and we deceive ourselves. So what he is saying is that the Christian who sins will not be ruled by sin as a life principle. He will not be dominated by sin. Christians will sin, but they will repent and they will not habitually and continually practice a life of sin. For you see, the new birth produces the likeness of God in our lives. You know, God's not a repairman. He is a creator. He doesn't fix up. He doesn't repair and remodel. He creates. And when we are born into the family of God, Paul tells us, Behold, all things are past, old things are passed away. All things are become new. Not better, not different, new. Not repaired, not improved, new. And the individual who never fell out of love in the with the world and fell into love with Jesus with his whole heart was simply never saved. You see, he doesn't say anything about accepting the truth. You know, how many times do we hear and perhaps say, God forgive us, that we know the truth, that we believe the truth. So what? Truth is something that you do. It is something that you are. And it is not believing in God. It is not believing about Jesus. It is not believing the truth that saves anybody. It is being born again into the family of God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. For the new birth reproduces the likeness of God in our lives. Our love for sinning is gone. And from that point forward, as Paul tells us in the book of Romans, there is a war between the old nature and the new nature. The old nature says sin. The new nature says no. And Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? For what I want to do, that I do not. And the sin that I do not wish to do, that I do. And so I perceive, Paul says, that there is a war within me, that to will to do good is present with me, but how to perform it, I find not. Who shall deliver me from this body of death, he says. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The new birth produces the likeness of God in our lives. Now in these verses, all of the verbs, the abiding, the sinning, the, uh, all of these verbs are in the present tense of continuous action. It doesn't mean something that you're doing right now that you're going to stop doing in just a moment. It means something that you are doing now, that you have been doing, that you will be doing, something that you continue to do as a habit of life. You see, in the English, we have, I guess, roughly six tenses of the verb, six different kinds of action. The Greek has 18. And in the present tense of continuous action, 
it denotes the normal state of affairs. And John says, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness, the one who continues to do good, the one who continues to be righteous, the one who continues to live like Jesus, that one belongs to God. But the one who practices sin and continues to sin and is dominated by sin, and the normal affairs of his life are sinful, and his habits are sinful, and he continues in sin, that one, regardless of what he says, does not belong to God. Those are the facts of fatherhood. And so often somebody says, but I know better. It isn't the knowledge that does you any good. It's a new life in Jesus. Or like the illustration, if you were a glass of water and somebody bumped you, what comes out? Well, water comes out. Why? Because that's what's in the glass. And when the devil comes out, folks, it's because the devil's on the inside. Now, you can find somebody to blame it on all you want to, but that doesn't change the fact that nobody can make you anything other than what you are. The one who practices righteousness is righteous and belongs to God. The one who practices lawlessness is not and does not. It is that simple. Why? Because children do exhibit the natural characteristics of their true fathers. Now what does he say in these verses? First of all, about the sons of God. He says the sons of God will love His Word. They will love His will. They will love His ways. In verses 6 and 7, He says that the sons of God will abide in Christ. They will be characterized by righteousness. In verse 9, He says that the sons of God are born of Him and that the seed, the genes, the heredity, the characteristics of God remain in Him. And He cannot live with sin as the ruling principle of His life. Speaking of the sons of the devil, He says, they are characterized by lawlessness and they are self-willed. Verses 4 and 5 they are characterized by sin. And he says that the one who practices it, the one who continues in it, proves that he has never been saved. In verse 8, he repeats it again. This one sins, and it is the opposite of what Christ came to do. For Christ appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Righteousness is the inevitable fruit of a regenerated heart. Now, you know, we talk about being justified, and it means to be forgiven. It is a part of our salvation. It is as though we stand before judgment, and the judge says, you are not guilty, I set you free. We talk about sanctification, and it means to be set aside for His purposes, to be filled with His presence, to be clean so that He can use us. 
But then referring to salvation, we talk about regeneration. And that means to be made brand new, to be dead and to be alive again. Paul says, I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, died, put to death, put in the grave. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's regeneration. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John says there are two families. God's family is, not maybe, not ought to be, not should be. God's family is characterized by love and by righteousness, transformed by the power of the light. The family of the devil harms, divides, hates, hurts, accuses, condemns. Ungodliness is the practice of life. You know, when Revelation, we come tonight to consider the matter of the great white throne and the book of works is going to be open at the great white throne and people that have always wanted to be saved by their own goodness are going to have their chance for the book of works is going to be opened. At that time, they will say to God, Lord, look what I did. And God said, I cannot see what you did because of what you are. It is only as what we do is the product of what we are that it makes any difference to God. What is there about your life that an unbeliever could not do just as well? What is there? What is there? about you that a non-Christian couldn't duplicate. There's only one thing. It's the presence of Jesus. Here are the facts of fatherhood. God's family loves. Oh, well, I love those who love me. Jesus said the heathen do that. God's family loves. They're characterized by righteousness. The family of the devil hates, hurts, harms, divides, they're characterized by ungodliness. And you know, ungodliness means to be not like God. That's what it means. Ungodliness doesn't mean mass murder. Ungodliness doesn't mean sexual immorality or drunkenness or drugs. Ungodliness means not like God, and there is nothing more ungodly than a lack of love. Nothing. Now, I would remind you that it is not love when you claim to love somebody and yet you let them run wild, whether it is your child or your mate or your friend. If you cared, if you loved, you would not allow them to run wild. Don't call that love. It's not. There is no love without discipline. It is the love of God that demands judgment. For it would be no act of love on God's part to let sin go unpunished forever. That would be no act of love. There are two families. The family of God, the family of the devil. Here are the facts of fatherhood. And the question 
that the text shouts this morning is, have you been transformed by the power of the light? Not by religion, not by religious connection, religious belief, not by opinion, not by devotion, not by personal commitment, not by doctrine, but by the blood of Jesus. Have you been transformed into the likeness of God? If you have, then there will be no love for sin, no continual practice of it. There will be the practice of righteousness, the presence of love. And if not, then today, as the light shines, as the gospel has been presented, you may give your life to Jesus. As you are, he will forgive you for what you are. He will lay the old man to rest. He will live in you and give you a new life. You can do it today. You can do it right now. If you belong to him and there has been inconsistency in your life, you can admit your misery. You can admit your ineffectiveness. You can admit your inability to be happy and to be peaceful and to be joyful. And you can claim 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What He would have you do, you need to do it now. You need to do it today. For the Scriptures say, answer Him when He calls the Scriptures say, Behold, now is the day of salvation. Scriptures say, When He calls, harden not your heart. For you see, God's Holy Spirit does not touch you where it hurts and call for you to respond until He is ready for you to do it. It will never be any easier than it is today. There will never be a better day today, right now. You can give all that you are and all that you have for, to Jesus. And it is the best trade you will ever make, for in return you will receive all that He is for all that you need.